Listener Production. Okay, are you recording? G'day and welcome along to episode 62 of the Howie Games. Nice, really nice to have you tuning in. This is actually the last episode of Series 4, but fear not, the Howie Games is heading into a mini pre-season. We're going to work on our structures and our processes. We'll train the house down, set new PBs, reduce our skin folds. We'll get around the boys and the girls and return in the best shape of our career on Thursday, January 3. That is Thursday, January 3 is when we'll be back. And from there, we'll be taking it, yeah, you guessed it, we'll be taking it one week at a time. So you search and try to find But you don't know where to go So many thoughts flood through your mind You're confused and want to know Mystery, what is to be? So much more than meets the eye Listen to me, time is your key You will find out by and by So, to this week's episode, it features one of Australia's greatest athletes, a man that polarises opinion like few others, Anthony Mundine. Great call from our man Ray Rabs Warren. You can check out Ray's episode of the show. It is episode number 54. Now, the Anthony Mundine I have met before could not be, could not be more different to the Anthony Mundine the public sees. It's almost like they are two completely different men. Throughout this episode, you will also be lucky enough to hear from Anthony's father, Tony, himself a boxer of great renown. My son, you wouldn't know he... he... He's in the house. He, at home out there, he's a quiet boy and very, very quiet. You wouldn't know he's in the house. Uh, Anthony, but, you know, when he gets in front of the media, well, then he's, he stirs him up a bit. Uh, but he's a very quiet boy and very humble like myself and, and just uh, enjoy life and be happy. This interview was conducted at the Melbourne Aboriginal Youth Sport and Education Centre in Fitzroy, Melbourne, in the lead-up to Anthony's farewell fight against another Howie Games favourite, Jeff Horn, who's episode 38, listen to that one. The fight will take place on November 30 and will screen on Foxtel's main event channel. That's November 30. Check it out. Okay, something I've never said before on the show. I actually walked away from this interview doubting whether I'd been able to capture the true essence of Anthony Mundine. It was a really, really busy media day. Anthony had a lot of commitments. His phone was ringing constantly. People were coming in and out of the interview area, and it was tricky because the duration that we had with Anthony changed a few times, including during the interview, which makes it a bit tricky. I've got to say, though, none of this was Anthony's fault. The time he gave us in the lead-up to such an important fight was absolutely unbelievable. So thank you, Anthony, for everything you did to make this happen. I guess, though, I had hoped to show you the Anthony Mundine the public doesn't really see, to almost show the haters, and there's so many of them out there, another side to the man. Whether I've actually been able to achieve that, even whether my questions were actually the right ones, whether I was on point, I'm not sure. I guess that's for you to judge. Anyway, this is the story of an athlete that has achieved what few can lay claim to, to be a force in two completely separate professional sports. Personally, on the whole, I'm a fan of the man, but he will continue to divide opinion. Please have a listen with an open mind before you form yours. 
So when you search and then you find And know just where to go And thoughts that once used to cloud your mind You see clearly and now you know Mystery, what is to be Revealed in King Selassie I Come on children, try it with me We want to reach Mount Zion Anthony Mundine, welcome to the Howie Games. It's great to see you. We've been honoured to have some great guests on this show, but I don't think we've had any that have dominated two different sports, so I'm really excited about having and looking forward to having a chat with you, mate. No, no worries, bro. It's good to be here, man. How are you going? I'm uh, doing good, man. Doing good, just uh, doing a lot of promotional stuff at the moment with the fight and, you know, just keeping my tra- a lot of I'm juggling a lot of things, keeping my fitness up, training, obviously, and... You know, dieting, my weight, and just focusing, man. I met you, you won't remember it, 20 years ago, I think, on a show called Sports World at Channel 7. And it was my job to greet you at the door and and take you through. And you were so quiet and and almost shy. And then you went on that show, and I remember it was Dermot Burton and Jonah Griggs. And you, all of a sudden it was showtime. There was lights and action, and you were a completely different person, Anthony. Who's the real Anthony Mundine? Is the quiet shy uh, or is it the entertainer? Nah, both, mate, both. Because um, you know, I'm, I'm quiet, sort of shy, timid, um, and whatnot, reserved. You know, when I'm just real laid back, top of cat. You know, personality. But when it's lights, camera, action, it's like I've, I've changed into a different beast. And you know, uh, it's like the, the the bravado comes out of me, and I um, want to entertain and I want to. You know, be the best, you know what I mean? Your dad is here in the room, um, and there's, we're here in the Fitzroy Stars Aboriginal Community Youth Club Gymnasium. His photo is up the yeah. top there, right corner. I was reading about it before. Where did it start for you? What are your first memories? And tell me about your family, Anthony. Uh, my memories, man, um, way back when I remember, like, I was just a young, so I remember playing footy. I was, I was very passionate about footy. I was four years old playing for Zealand Jets. Obviously, I knew my dad was a fighter or some type of, um, you know, figure in the world because, you know, everyone would read him and, you know, always say hello and um, pay their respects to him. Um, and then, you know, obviously, I've, you know, I knew he was, he was obviously had a fighting career, boxing career, and got all these accolades for and, you know, titles and... You know, it was number one in the world. Fought one of the best fighters of all time in mm. Carlos Monzon. Mundine ha realizado peleas verdaderamente importantes. El 23 de abril se corona campeón mediano de Australia al noquear. So, from a young age, I knew I had the bloodlines of a champion, and I knew that I wanted. My passion was footy. I wanted to play footy at the highest level, and. Um, yeah, I knew eventually one day I would go to boxing. Which was a, an enormous move, which we'll get to. But t- tell me about where you, you grew up. I grew up in Canterbury, south uh, south of Canterbury in um, Sydney uh, for the first 13 years, 12 to 13 years of my life. And in a little apartment, two-bedroom apartment. And then I moved to a house. My dad um, bought a house and... Um, in the next neighbouring suburb in Elwood. Were you always a talented athlete? Yeah, always talented, always believed in myself. 
always talking trash, always, you know, no matter what we're playing, marbles. Um, do, do you talk trash to sell what you're doing or nah, is that you? Is you just, just like to entertain? I just like to entertain myself. I like to entertain others. I like to... It's more interesting when, 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 when it's like that, you know? Because as a sports commentator, I, I love it. I love showtime and I love entertainment. Yeah. And in many ways, that's the business you're in. You're in the entertainment business, aren't you? 100%. 100%. And, you know, um, I feel I was born entertained. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so um, yeah, but coming up, we always used to talk smack to each other, like my cousins and friends and whatnot, no matter what we were playing, table tennis, uh, marbles. Talking car- smack playing marbles. Cards, anything, no matter. <laughs> yeah. Did he learn his ability to talk smack from you or were you a more humble man? No, in the ring? I, I was a humble man. Right. I was humble. All I do was in, I was just go in the ring and do my job in the ring. I wasn't a humble man. So, so when you hear him speak like that, how does it make you feel? Uh, I just sit back and say, well, you either like him or don't like him. <laughs> a lot of people do like him, the way he talks and the way, way he drum up, drum up the, the, the media. Yep. But... A lot of people don't like him too, but you know, what can you say, what can you do? She's not going to be sad about it, just smile about it. Now, your rugby league career, obviously you came up as, as a talented young footballer. When did, when did it become apparent to you that this could potentially be a career? Were you, were you an outstanding 13, 14, 15-year-old league Yeah, I've, I've always been outstanding, especially in league. I was a... By the time I was four, I was scoring four or five tries a game. At age four? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty, dev- uh, pretty devastating on the field. Um, and it's just, was a very talented junior, made all the rep teams, Australian schoolboys, Australian junior kangaroos, um, all the state teams from, from, from high school and stuff. So I was a very talented kid, man. And, um, but not just that, I was. I had, I, you know, I knew I had the boxing ability, but I knew I played basketball too. I was a state basketball player. Where? Yeah. So, you were signed by St George as a very young man, weren't you? Yeah, I was signed when I was young, fifteen, I think. Fifteen. Yeah. Right, and then tell me about your rugby league career. I, I I just remember you streaking down the wing, scoring tries, and doing. Flips. Somersaults, <laughs> which, as I said, as someone that loves entertainment, that, that's my memories of you. You seem to be a really exciting player. McLinden, wide they go, Mundine, track time. That's the ball game. Vegas is giving chase. Anthony Mundine in front of his home crowd, faithful, and he's got a double. Look at that! Oh. I was very exciting, very exhilarating, very explosive, and um, could that could be a tap dancer. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> I was crazy, man. I just and I, I played five eight, which I was around in the middle of the ruck, and I pretty much go where I want, do what I wanted. I had the green light on, you know, the attacking, attacking way. And and how does a, an extroverted personality like yourself? How does that fit into a team environment in a, in an NRL environment? Well, I knew how to, to, you know, I played team footy all my whole life, you know, with the football, with Benny Junior and whatnot. So I knew how to fit into that thing, but. I think the teams that I played for, they knew that certain people, when you play there, some people are special, you know what I mean? Some people are allowed to, to pretty much do what they want to do, and I was one of those players. You won a premiership? 
yeah, won a premiership for in the Super League um, 97 with the Broncos, Brisbane Broncos. Two and a half minutes to go in the grand final. Mundine for Smith, Smith for Hancock, and one of the all-time great wingers puts it down to score his grand final try. The crowd counting down here at ANZ Stadium. The Sharks were courageous. They wanted to come out and put on a show worthy of the inaugural Telstra Cup Grand Final, but they weren't up to it on the night. The Brisbane Broncos, they won a Grand Final in 92 and 93, but this is the one that they really wanted. I played in two other Grand Finals with the St. George Dragons and the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Um, in 96 and 99. Uh, you know, I've done a lot in my short footy career. I only played ARL at the time, which is NRL now, um, six years. But uh, I've done a lot in that time and, you know, obviously played one State of Origin series. Scored tries? Scored one, yeah, scored try in the, yeah, in the series. But yeah, if I really, if I, I believe I would have stayed in, in, in footy, I would have smattered my, my name in the Hall of Fame with football and open and open home. How come you didn't play for the Kangaroos? I just... Because I, there was a lot of issues at the time, you know, certain players weren't getting picked. Um, and I used to be very vocal about it, you know. The Nathan Blacklocks, um, David Peaches, Preston Campbell, the Dalian Maluid. So Indigenous boys, was, was hard as hard to get in, man, especially in the Origin team, but they had to pick me because I was the best basically but um it was hard to get into and the, the, the coach at the time said uh, I didn't get picked because of my off-field characteristics for the Australian team in 99 when they took the whole two-man squad to um England mm-hmm. and I'm like what do you mean like that's no you can't say that well, I've never done anything wrong I never took I don't take drugs I never drink drink I never misbehave in public you know what I mean, so, so did that hurt, mate? Yeah, yeah, hurt, man. That's what led me to to retire early. You know what I mean? That's what led to me. Then the the straw that broke the camel's back was um, Daly and Fitler, who were always been in front of me, you know, and were doing a job. So that you know, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't I didn't expect to take over, but I expected to be a part of it. Um, I felt that um. That, that that weren't that was that wasn't gonna get that wasn't eligible for selection because of injuries or whatever and everyone thought it was gonna be my turn. This is two thousand. Early early two thousand, the first ends that test. And um you know, I thought it was my turn, I had no doubt now. And then uh in the last four three games I you know, I blasted Newcastle, blasted Canberra, blasted <laughs> um Roosters. In the last game before the they, they picked the team and the they picked the team, I wasn't announced. I wasn't named again. I was Matty Johns. He's a good mate of mine, Matty, and uh, he always, we always have a little chuckle over it because he knew that um, I was I should have been the one picked. And after that, I said, "Man, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm done fight, done fighting and fighting, fighting the system and fighting for what's right. You know, I shouldn't. I wouldn't pick on players on merit." Especially me because I was sort of the outcaster. So I said I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to be champion of the world. Which is a really interesting discussion. You left the rugby league season in the middle of the year, I think, and went to America. 
Yeah. What happened in America, Anthony? I went over just to kick back and relax and enjoy. I had, I played, I played when I made rep basketball. I went over there and we toured the east, uh, the west coast, and uh, we got billeted out to families. And I got, I kept in contact with this one Filipino family, and um, I went back there and seen them, and um, just chilled with them and uh, got my mind of it. Made sure that my mind, my head was right that I wanted to actually. You know, the thought of leaving was always there, but I wanted to make sure that, you know, it's the right decision, you know what I mean? So um, I sent, took some time out and really found myself sort of thing. And, um, In what way? Just, you know, it's a big it's a big move, man. You know what I mean? It's a big move. Like I was getting $600,000, a year at the time with, with St. George, and, you know, I'm going to the unknown. You know, I could make it, I could not make it. Well, what, I mean? what you do now takes tremendous courage to get to get in the ring, but to me, to give up a successful, high-profile career to take another one that you don't know how you're going to go, and that, that's as courageous a thing as you could have done. Yeah, exactly, man. So, I mean, you know, I was just a bit scared of what, what was going to happen. Do you have doubts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, the fear of failure, but it's good. You know what I mean? The fear of failure, the doubting, that's good. That keeps you a little bit, that, that little bit sharper, a little bit more onto it. You know what I mean? Um, but, but I've come to a conclusion in my life, I mean, conclusion now, and, and you know, I'm at a moment, time in my life where I leave everything into God's hands. Like I'm a big believer in, 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 in God and in the Creator and the last part Allah. So I leave, you know... <clears throat> Everything is willed, willed from him, so I just, I'm happy with whatever, you know, Allah throws my way. How does it go being a follower of the Islamic faith, the Muslim mm-hmm. approach in Australia? How's it go? Well, obviously in the Western world, it doesn't go too good, you know what I mean? You're betrayed, dude. It's totally opposite of what they, 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 um, they portray it to be. So what does it mean to you, mate? It means everything. It means it's my being, man. It's my being. I mean, all a Muslim means is somebody who submits their will to the one God. Monogamy of the one God. That's it. Nothing else. And Muhammad is the final Messiah, the final messenger. Because God said there's a lineage of uh, prophecies, prophets. And, you know, Noah, Jesus, um, Moses, you know, Muhammad was the final and this is our, and the, and the Quran was sent, that was our message, the final message for, for human, humankind. So. From so our creator. To be a, a good Muslim, mm-hmm. in your mind, what does that mean? I mean, you just try to do the bit, it's the, you know, at utmost, just be the, trying to be the utmost best you can be as a man. Like in, in Islam, there's, there's, the standards that you have to you have to set. Um, I say it once. Of course you can, mate. Hey, Shah. Salam alaikum, Shah. Um, is Daniel coming to come? Ring Daniel, Shah. Salam alaikum. But but. Go on, mate. We'll continue on. Um, we were just talking about your faith. Sorry, wrong one. No, you're right. My, my son, CJ. My oldest boy, seven-year-old. Each other. 
Now that was your young bloke. Yeah. Tell me about your kids. How many kids you got? Mate, I don't like to t- give my personal information okay. out out there, but um, I got beautiful kids, man. Beautiful, healthy kids, and um, they mean the world to me, man. Like, alhamdulillah, like they're all healthy and you know, smart. Uh, I try to guide them and teach them in the right direction. You know what I mean? I, you know, they they're very aware of the poisons of society. You know, drugs, alcohol, and uh, you don't drink at all, do you? Nah, never drunk in my never, life. Never had any never, alcohol at never. all. So, what's the main thing you try and instill in your beautiful kids, Anthony? And then, yeah, is is obviously respect. You know, um, I think respect comes a long way, and and just to make the right choices in life. And make the right choices. So you chose to give up a tremendously successful sporting career to go down another one, and I reckon your first fight against the Kiwi there was yeah Gerard Zosi that one eight thousand people there. You came out and it was showtime. Yeah. Your nickname of the man. To me, if I'm a kid, you're the man saying that. Like, that, that's, I think that's the essence of you. Where'd the na- nickname The Man come from? Um, when I played with Brisbane, I won this round final in 97. I signed two contracts because it was a Super League war with the ARL. And um, I signed ARL and the Super League, but I took the Super League money and played with the Super League and fulfilled that contract. But I didn't take this ARL on it. So I just left it and went to court all year. By the end of the year, they told me I had to go back to ARL. But then St. George offered me that contract, and um, I was in a team full of superstars Alfie Langer, Gordon Tallis, you know, Kevin Walters, and, you know, Steve Renoff, and all these lads. And um, I said, oh, there's, you know, I want to go back. To, you know, when St. George signed me, I want to go, I'm going back to Sydney, where, where I'm the man, where I'm the, I'm the man, you know. And then they just. They just kept stayed there, so I was really called it my, you know, gave myself the name. I didn't even know, I didn't even know it, but they sort of went on with it. More from Anthony in a moment. Last week on the show, we were lucky enough to feature the 2012 World Surf Champion Joel Parkinson, and amongst other things, Parko talked about the death of his great mate Andy Irons. And yeah, that was the last time I saw Andy due to. I would have loved to have been there and. Um, you know, I guess checked on him, but you never think like that. You know, everyone always has that of you know the what ifs. There's no, there's no point in that. So um, it was hard not to be on tour at that time in Puerto Rico when when he passed, because all the guys on the tour looked like they were hurting so hard. Um, Did it I'm, shock you when you found out? It shocked me when he passed. Yeah, it, it. I mean, we all knew he had his struggles, man. He. He was very bipolar and had a lot of, you know, he had a lot of mental issues and he used to get a lot of noise in his head. And But when he left here after a couple of weeks of training and surfing, he was such in a healthy mind frame. And it was, you know, three months later he passed and, or two and a half months, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it's still one of the one that, I guess, cuts, cuts you out, you know, losing a friend. That's Parco on last week's show. Alrighty, back to the man. What did your dad say? What did your dad say when you said, my Dad, dad I want to follow in your path? Um, um, he goes, mate, you crazy? Did mate, he... what are you doing? You crazy? You're, you're on 
you 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 want to be you know set your life up, set yourself family up. Um, he didn't. He was he was against it. Was he? Yeah. At the time, obviously you support me, and and um, support me. Whatever I chose to do. But I, I reckon he's kicking him. He's kicking himself now, saying, "I'm glad he went to boxing." <laughs> I reckon he's too. I made him a lot of money. You know? <laughs> what did you say to him when he gave up seven hundred thousand dollars a year as a rugby league player and said, "Dad, I want to get into boxing"? I said, "You're crazy. <laughs> you are crazy, man. I said, seven hundred thousand dollars and boxing is dead." I said, "Boxing is dead at the moment." He said to me at that. Dad, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll liven it up. Well, that first fight, it was... I think that's when people realised that you were box office because it was your first ever professional fight. It was sold out. There was 8,000 yeah, well, people. Yeah, well, I'm the type of... Sort, I was the type of character that really um, drew the interest of the people. Not many people do it, can do it, you know. You don't know the footballer that, that hasn't, hasn't got a personality, hasn't got a voice, hasn't got... Um, you know these type of things. You ain't gonna get sort of box office and you know with anybody else. So it was just destiny, man. Uh. He's actually going to punch his way through the defence now of the New Zealander. Yeah, he's through him now. He's through him now. Beautiful work there by Hunter. Accurate on every punch. That's it. It's all over. Eleven fights in. You were fighting for a world title. And when you went to boxing, I was like, oh, this bloke's a footballer. He's not going to be able to box. You fought Sven Otke, who I, I noticed recently said you're the toughest fight he's ever had. And you were beating him. And then you get punched in the head mm. and you get knocked out and you lose. How does the great Anthony Mundine deal with defeat when things don't go your way? Well, mate, I was I was devoured. I was devoured. I just could, I couldn't believe that that this happened. You know what I mean, I kept thinking I just got knocked out. I just got knocked out. Like I just couldn't believe it. I just kept replaying in my mind. Um, but now you put it in the hindsight, like I had no right in my my wildest dream to be in the ring with that man. 11 fights in. Yeah, but you're talking about a guy that's had more than 300 meta fights, a guy that had 12 title defences. That's world championship defences than I had fights. Had more title defences than I had fights. And I was like, I was that brash and cocky that I'd take him on. <laughs> like, like, it's stupid now looking back. I didn't have that seasoning. If I had the, another 10 fights, 15 fights under my belt, I would have beat him. But because I never had that seasoning... I, you know, I wasn't used to fighting world-class opponents where the pace is different, the, the pressure is different as far as him being on me and me, me having to throw punches. So by the seventh, eighth round, I was sort of, I was just fighting on instinct. And, you know what I mean, like, and the, for him to come out and be honest about, the, you know, his career and say that I was the best fighter he's ever fought, you know, when I was reading that, I was like, man, that, that's, that's, that's such a compliment to me that was, was a novice, basically. But it's just raw talent, you know what I mean? 
So within three and a half years, you were fighting Antoine Eccles. And people have various views of you, but athletically, you've started a career three and a half years later, year a world champion, which is what you told everyone you'd be, mm. and no one believe you. Yeah. What's the moment like when oh, they hold it up mate, and say that, you that, are the champion of the world? That was the greatest moment uh, you know, of my boxing career, definitely. It was a monk, big, 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 big monkey off my back, and oh man, I, whatever I whatever I achieved or didn't achieve after that point, they could not take that away from me, and you know, it had to be in the history books. So, you know, I was like, this is I was just sitting on top of the world. When he became a world champion against Eccles, as yep. a father, yep. tell me about that. Yeah, it was great, great, great feeling to see my. My son go to uh, win a world title. Uh, you know, it's one of those all fathers and mums uh, would love their kids uh, to carry on and, and to be a world champion is a great thing for Hoyt. It's a honour to, 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 to see him to go that far so quick. Did you think he could do it? When he <clears> came <throat> and gave rugby league away and said, I'm going to box and I'm going to be a world champion and the world went, sure you are, mate. Did you believe? No, I didn't believe it, to the truth. I didn't believe it. Did you ever have any doubt? Did you, when you said, I'm going to be a world champion? No, nah, no doubt. No you doubt. actually believed that? Believed it. Even when Aichi knocked me out, I still believed I was only... I was trying to get another rematch with Aichi. So where does that inner belief... He, he, he retired. Where does that inner belief come from, Anthony? I know, it's always been there. I always had it. Always had it. Always? Always. Danny Green, what does the name mean to you? Well, it's a fierce, uh, fierce rival, you know, fierce rival, and um, one of one of the you know combatants that we have a lot of history, you know, a lot of history um, with. Could you see yourself like you're so? He's appeared on this show, and the thing is, I'll fight him. I'll fight him now. I'll fight, if he comes in here, I'll fight him. No, I'll fight him for free. Yeah, just, but, to, just to fight him. Just but to will it happen? Right. And, and when I say that, I don't mean like. In a bad way, I don't want to hurt him. I said, well, I want to pump you and just show you that I am the better fighter. Yeah. You don't, you, you don't, you don't, you, you don't walk with me. Do you think you'll get that chance, Danny? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Like, it's inevitable, I think. It's uh, so much, it's incredible, Howie, that there's still this much interest 10 years later. It's incredible that there is still 10 years on interest to see yeah, us is, fight each it? other. 10 yeah. years, you're right. You know, like, it's a long time. And you are so similar. Mm. In so many ways you approach life. Could you see a time when you and Danny Green can be mates? Maybe, man. Maybe. Like, I don't hold any grudge against anybody. I mean, we, we've had a lot of uh, fierce, very fierce rivalry. Two right hands by Monday. And again, left right. Lovely left right. Good jab again. Green tries the left hook off the ropes. Makes Mundine making him miss. Oh, just glance with the right hand. Fires back. Green going to the body. The winner by a unanimous points decision from the blue corner, Anthony Mundine! Anthony and Danny have actually fought twice, one win apiece. They also came together on Network 10's reality TV show, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, in February 2018. How long since you guys saw each other? 
Um, tomorrow will be one year when I was victorious, February 3rd, Adelaide Oval in our last yeah. fight. He didn't win, but... Okay, to... the judges just made me win. I'm pretty sure the referee held my hand up. Well, then, fight, well then fight the third fight. Fight the third fight and I'll whip your ass, and then we'll say that. Truly he's done. We well, can walk up the hill and do a chalk, no problem. I'm not, I'm not doing it for free. I'm going to get paid for this. You know? right. do it for, if you're a real fighter, we'll walk up the hill we and do it for free. Do it. We don't need to do it for free. You don't need money, mate. Let's just fight. Mate, let's do it. You're a pussycat, you're, you're a pussycat. You're a pussycat. No, I'm not a pussycat. You're running. You're scared. You're running scared. Let's walk well, up the well, hill. Well, let's make it happen. Why won't you make it happen? Absolutely. You're scared, bruh. I'm scared of nothing, mate. He's scared. You know he's scared. He didn't want to face me. I'll damage you, man. I'll damage you. I'll damage you again. Let him go. Mate, the way you're talking, it sounds like you've been damaged. Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. I just think he's... I just think he's, uh... I can't want to put... I can't put this. I just think he's a bit arrogant. I just think he's a bit arrogant in the sense of life and, you know, who he is as far as, you know, with other people and giving other people time and... and and what not, you know what I mean? But I'm sure he's a good dude, but just his um, mannerisms, you know, ain't quite like I think should, it should be. You don't see yourself as arrogant? No, no way. I'm the most approachable, down to earth, um, you know, pious sort of guy you'll ever meet, ever. Describe to me the Anthony Mundine that you know as a father how would you describe your son a beautiful young man he cares about other people he cares about kids he give make sure they give to people <clears throat> give to kids to you know I see you know take him to a restaurant going to take him buy him sing with him and he's he's taking care of the other uh, and uh, that's why I brought up, and I brought Anthony the same way. And he's he, he, he a great son, great son. And of course, who he is, you know, and, and you know, making all this money, all this stuff. Yeah, he, he helped other people, a lot, a lot of ways. People don't know that, but I'm just telling you, I know, I see. He gave away millions, millions. Giving away millions. Give away millions. Obviously, it makes you emotional talking about him. Like yeah, this. yeah, give him my millions. And I know. I see him do it. To look after people. Yeah, people don't know, but yeah. That's the way he is. That's the way I was too, all my life. So, all my life, and what I got, I, I give to other people. I think that's what we come back to when I started this that I think the way people view Anthony Mundine is very, very different. Yeah, but when, when it's lights, camera, action, I can, that's when I can become arrogant. Well, I'm not arrogant, I'm just confident. They, they, they always mistake arrogance for confidence, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I, I, can, I can look arrogant and be it, but it's not arrogance. But away from that, I'm, like, I'm a shy boy, bro. Like, I'm just like, yeah, man, you know what I mean? That's, that's, I think that's what a lot of people don't realise. They build up to that fight, Green Mundine, biggest boxing event this country's ever seen. Mm. What was it like living it? Because it was everywhere. Yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I was I was built up for for some years. I think five, six years, man. And uh, people just just wanted it, man. So when it happened, it was it was um, definitely everywhere. And you know, I mean, um, 
has all eyes on me. I knew I had to fight. Similar to this fight coming up with Horn, I got to fight. I'm fighting more than just Danny Green. I'm fighting more than Jeff Jeff Horn. How do you mean? I'm fighting the system. I'm fighting injustice. I'm fighting oppression. I mean, is it tiring to have to fight against the system? Yeah, I mean, it gets tiring, but I'm used to it now. So, I mean, I've been doing that my whole life. What are you fighting against? Just everything. All the injustices that happen in society, you know, the inequality, you know, the um, racial profiling, the the justice system, everything, bro. What's it like being in... I asked you before what it's like being in a Muslim man in Australia. What's it like being an Indigenous man in Australia in 2018? Well, the, the, the fight continues, you know what I mean? Like, you're fighting every day for your place, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I said about with the horn and that, with the privilege, like, I don't, I don't mean to offend him. It's just talking facts. It's talking truths. That it's privilege for him to fight you? No, it's privilege. They they get the privilege. Like right. white, white fellas get privileges. You know what I mean? That black fellas don't. Or you know, colour fellas don't. You know what I mean? Are we on the right track or not? Man, I believe it's getting it's getting worse. Or Is it? Yeah, I reckon it's getting worse. Why do you reckon that? Because at a at a at the higher the powers that be. Want it that way You know what I mean This ain't really The people's fault There's a lot of good people A lot of great White followers that Understand the plight And understand the injustice And all And oppression And all that But this is more At a Federal Government level You know what I mean That systematically Is Fed into To The mainstream The masses Are we As Australians Heading the right way the way I look at it, Australia is a great country. And whatever happened 200 or 300 years ago, well, we can't do much about it. But they must be, must be realised, my people was on this land 160 million years ago. So, you know, it's, they got to, they get, they, uh, I don't talk about about what's, what's happening on now these days. And, I just want to uh, <clears throat> let them realise that, say, you know, we the first people were on this land. And you can't just come in and come over and just take over that old land and, and give people nothing, nothing at all. I think, you know, <clears throat> I know they take a lot of money out, but it's not the money, it's, it's helping each other how to live on this beautiful land and, and, and how to uh, look after this beautiful land instead of destroying it. So how important is your role across all communities as a role model in Australia and, and how do you approach that? Because so many people, Anthony, look up to you, like kids, adults, across genders, races. There's a lot of people that's got a lot of time for Anthony Mundine. It's I don't know, man. I just, try to keep, I just try to keep it real, man. I just try to keep it real, Hui. Um, and keep it 100, like, you know, make sure that... Um, uh, you know, I try. I want to inspire the next man. I want to inspire the next youth, child, whatever. I want to try and help, 
help them achieve their their dreams, help them achieve their goals. Even if it's just one little word I might say or or action I might do, you know what I mean? You're coming to the end of your sporting career. Mm. Um, I have a couple of young kids, Anthony, and I always tell them about the guest and then they like to ask questions. Um, I have an eight-year-old and a six-year-old and they were fascinated. They were watching you yesterday. Um, This is the question from my daughter, Anthony, whose nickname is Pickle. She's only eight. Mm -hmm. This is her question for you. Loved your nickname. Yeah. What's uh, next? Hey, Pickles, what's going on? Thank you. Um, what's next, man? I just want to, try, like I said, my main passion is inspiring, inspiring the next generation, and making change for the better. I'm not sure where it's going to take me, whether it's in politics, whether it's you know, whether it's um, speaking engagements or uh, working with the government in that sense. Um, Reaching as many people as I can reach in order to uplift and empower them. That's my, that's my goal. You're now going to get the question from a son, the big penguin, ah. who's fascinated by the fact you could play two different sports. Hi, Anthony, big penguin here. I think it's so cool that you're a champion rugby league player and you're a champion boxer. Good luck versing Corner. And by the way, what do you think you're better at, boxing? Rugby That's better than any question I ask. Uh, Do you reckon you're a better boxer or footballer? <sighs> um, that's a hard question. That's a good question. I think uh, I truly think that I was um, in footy. I was one of the uh, one of the one of the best. You know, I, mean, I truly believe I was one of the best. Um, I think if I would have stayed in football, uh, you know, I could have been like, you know, two fifty, three hundred game player that razzled and dazzled the, the fans for many years, and um, I, you know, playing the way I was playing and having the, the instinct and the, the feet and everything I had to go with it. I could not only score tries, I could create tries, I could not only finish tries, I could start them. You know what I mean? I had it all in the, in the footy game. Um, so I think I was a better footy player. Do you really? Yeah. But you're a three-time world champion boxer. Yeah, I'm a three-time world champion boxer, but boxing is a, the type of sport. I had to learn on the job, and no, no, no champions do that. None. No champions do that. No. Very rare, very few have that accolade that they'd learn on the job and become champion hardly any I could probably count them on one hand you know what I mean so if I if I if I was a, if I was doing this as a kid boxing as a kid you know 8 year old 9 year old mm-hmm. doing an amateur scene having an amateur pedigree I think my boxing I would be one of the best boxers I would have been one of the best boxers ever are you happy with what you've achieved in the ring? I definitely I definitely I'm happy I mean, what I've achieved is unbelievable. You know what I mean? 
I've done something in boxing that's never been done. I've won titles in descending weight orders. Three. Going down. So that's never been done. Um, you know, just switching from rugby league, um, you know, elite player, um, you know, an origin player, and going and winning three world championships. Like, you don't hear it. It's never been done, like... I just don't think I'll get enough recognition and, you know, hopefully in the future I will when I'm, when, when I'm gone and people will realise, like, damn, this guy was pretty bad, you know what I mean? Is that because of the way you're portrayed and some people view you in the public that they might not be a fan so they don't understand? Yeah, probably, like, probably. The, probably. Like, the guys that beat you, Otki, Kessler, like, <laughs> these are the best of the best, these blokes. Yeah. So how do you deal with the way some of the public views you? How do you deal with the haters, Anthony? And there's so many in the modern world. It doesn't matter what you do. I mean, I don't really care, to be honest. Like, it's not wood off a duck's back to me. Like, I don't pay them no mind. You know what I mean? Because they ain't doing shit by talking shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I know what I've achieved. I know what I've done. It, like, it's, it's, it's... I set precedence. I've set a precedence that is... is Groundbreaking, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, I know who I am as a man. I know my heart. I know I have a good heart. My fear, I fear of God. I fear God, and I just try to be the best man I'll be. I, I give everybody time, even the haters. I give them time. Haters will meet me, and I know like that. Like that, I'm not sure about me. And they're like, mate, you're a good bloke. You know what I mean? Like I said, man. You just gotta yeah, don't judge book by its cover and what's portrayed. You know what I mean? So all the all the controversy that surrounds you, um, is it to sell tickets? The, some of the things you've um, said, and it's, I'll just put that up there, mate, so we don't. Yeah. Some some of that stuff, and th- as I said to you at the start, this podcast is about positivity and motivation. So we don't need to go into that stuff. But is it to sell tickets? Or not? Nah, not really. It's just me, man. Like, it's just me. Like, it's good to sell tickets, but I don't. I don't think about. Oh, I gotta say this to sell tickets. You don't. No, hell no. I just be me. And do you ever get at home at night and think, oh, geez, maybe I shouldn't have said that? Sometimes, oh, a couple of times. Like when I said the um, 9/11 statement. Mm-hmm. But see how they portrayed that for me to portray that on me. How I was like, I was for the killings, like I was for the attacks, like that's that's ridiculous. Like, I'm, it, not, I'm not, I'm not for killing no human life. But it was, it was such an inflammatory time. No matter yeah, what anyone what said about what, anything, that's what I'm saying. It was, it was raw and uncut. Um, if you delve in deeper, it's probably the you know, um, there was truth there. But I wasn't talking about the innocent people. That were that were killed. That was a tragedy, and no one wishes that upon anybody. But um, you know, there's a, there's a bigger picture to the to the world, and the superpowers, and oil, and money, and greed, and all this and that, and people are paying the cost for it. And you know, I don't think anybody should die. Not, I mean, not any Americans, not any Canadians, not any Afghanis. I mean, nobody should die. Why, why are we always going? Why are we going to war, man? Why can't we just live in peace and harmony, man? That is a question I don't have the answer for, but I wish people did. Who pulls you up? Who's your sounding board? Who's your person that says, Anthony, this is the path I think we should go down? I wouldn't go down that path. Who, who do you rely on in, in life? 
not, not many people like I've got a couple of brothers that that I are close with and I you know, I'll speak to them about certain topics, certain things and Muslim brothers or actual brothers? Well, no, no, no. I got no brothers. Right, Muslim brothers. Right. Um, and, uh, not even just, not even Muslim. Even some non-Muslim brothers. The fight coming up against Horn. Um, this has been a reasonably in-depth discussion. Uh, Let's talk smack for a while. You said you used to do it over um, ping pong and marbles. Tell me about the fight with Horn. As if this is a press conference now. What are you saying about Jeff Horn? How are you approaching it? What are we doing? Are we going to beat him? Of course. Why? I'm, I let him know that I'm too much for him. Right? <laughs> I'm period. He, he ain't on my level. There's levels to this. You know what I mean? There's levels to this. And he, he and frankly, he's just not on mine. Do you have any doubt about that? No. No doubt. At the press conference, you guys were the old photo where you have to look into each other's eyes. Yeah. And you started whispering to him and he was trying not to smile. What are you saying to a bloke in that situation? Oh, I can't remember what I say. <laughs> I just pop shit, man. I just had to let him know, like, you're in too deep now, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're in too deep. In too deep, man. Is there any fear in what you do? Five minutes before you go into the ring, whether it's versus Eccles or Otki or Horn or Green, do you feel fear and how do you deal with it? How do you overcome it? Um, nah, I used to when I first started, but I'm, too, I'm so seasoned now, so acclimatised to the arena. I get you get anxiety. I get anxiety, but I don't get nervous. I don't get fear. I don't. I leave everything in the Lord's hands, and I, you know, I'm, I'm at a good place right now. And when it's going against you in a fight, and you're getting hit, and you're doing your best to become the best you can be, what do you draw on? What does Anthony Mundine find well, in himself? Well, I'm a warrior, man. I'm gonna go on my shield on my back no matter what, but obviously you try, you try to try and make adjustments in order to get out of what you've been getting in, getting caught. I don't, I'm, I'm a fighter that don't really get caught that much, you know, you know, hit so much. You know, I still got my faculties, I still speak, I'm going to speak with a slur. Um, so I've been lucky, I've been in the game for 18 years, man, mm. so I don't really take much punishment. But, um, yeah, I need, I need one more and I'm good. And why has that decision come now? Um, just because I lost the desire to do it. Not that, not that I don't think I can do it for another five years. I think I can, you know, physically. And but it's just monot- the monotony, monotonously of the the hard work and the dedication you need in order to be a, a true warrior at this level. It's not there no more. The only way I would fight, you know. Again, is if I get the big names like Pacquiao or the Alvarez's, that's it. Otherwise, I'm done. Uh, you know, once I do the job with the Horn, I'm done. And when you're done, and people look back and say Anthony Mundine was a, what do you want them to say? I just want them to say Anthony was someone that was real, someone that was real, and just a freak of athlete. One, of, never before, never again. See it. Where do you think you sit in? Australian sports people I'm the best ever Across the board Across the board There's no other like me Period I like that <laughs> I said I like Showtime But that's what you think You're not just saying that to me Because it'll get out there And Well, well, well name me one Name me one that's better um, 
Bradman. Yeah, Bradman, but Bradman's one of the best um, cricketers of all time. Like he's he's definitely he's in that category. But I'm I'm talking we're talking sportsmen. So if Bradman if Bradman wants to go and win a couple of world titles in Boston, they didn't be the best. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I love it. Hey, you've been great with your time. We have a lot of kids listening to this show, and I told you at the start we're about motivating people. Um, for the kids out there yeah. that want to live their dream, which you've done, yeah. and I love that about you, what do you say to them, Anthony? To all the kids out there that's listening, um, I want you to, you guys to really set your goals, set your dreams, and don't set them small. Don't set them mediocre. Set them big. You know what I mean? No matter what they are. You know what I mean? If you want to go to LA, make it New York. You know what I'm saying? That, that type that type of um, mental sort of capacity because and 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 use everything all your everything in your power in order to to achieve it and become obsessed with it. You know, with it. Whether whatever you got to do, whether working hard, whether you're gymnastics or academic or whatever it may be, just work hard every day. Day, put work on, get on your grind and work hard, but don't run your body down. You got to rest every now and then, so don't get down too hard. But just know, you get into a routine that you're gonna set your mind to achieve what what you set out to your dream to be. Um, don't drink, don't smoke, don't do no drugs. Stay away from that. Stay clear of that. Make the right choices in life, and and use your faculties to get to know the Creator. You're the Creator that created us and created all. Um, there's only one truth written, so you got to go out there and seek it. I'm not saying be this or be that. You go seek it for yourself, and God will do the rest. And that's about it. Anthony, it's a treat to have a chat with you. I know you've got a lot on. Best of luck against Jeff Horn. You're going to stop him, you're going to knock him out, you're going to go the distance. Inshallah, Rob, I might stop him. Inshallah, Rob, you know, it's, the only way that he can win is through Allah's you know, intervention, but Inshallah, Allah's with me. Good luck in your retirement. And personally, mate, I love watching the way you perform, the way you entertain, and to sit here and have a chat with you, mate, it's a great thrill. So good luck with everything going forward, Anthony. No worries, brother. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thanks, you. Thank you so much, so much to Anthony and his father, Tony Mundine. And good luck to the man when he takes on Jeff Horn on November 30 on Foxtel's main event channel. Also, thanks to Dee and Jen from Foxtel for organising this episode. Now, Series 4 could have never got to air without the guru, Michael James, performing his magic on a weekly basis. And by the way, ladies, MJ, a very, very nice catch. I'll say no more. To Darcy Thompson, thanks for keeping us on the level, literally, mate. And to Grant Tothill and Kim Norman and the entire hard-working team at Podcast One, thanks for your support of me, of MJ, and of the show, and of also putting up with my constant annoying requests. To the E-Bomb, the Pickle, and the Penguin, I love you guys so much. To all our wonderful guests, thanks so much for all your time and your candour. And as always, to our loyal listeners, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in because without you there would be no show and the download numbers have gone absolutely crazy this season so again thank you very much alrighty until Thursday January 3 when series 5 launches with an absolutely huge name huge name peace and love and we can do it if we try 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 
If we try, try, try If we try, try, try And I sort of locked eyes on him and I sort of smiled and I went, come over here, dickhead. <laughs> and then we're having the, oh, mate, we're having the the white bait and the squid, the calamari. <laughs> then we're having the lasagna and we're having the, oh, mate. And then we have the tiramisu. It's not just... <laughs> <laughs> you know you'll never be as good surfer as Parker. I know I won't be. Neither will you with that. Get out of here. Sorry. Shut the door. <laughs> Listener.